Hello, hello. This is Artists with M. I am your host, M. Persico. Today, our guest is Dewey Morrison. Say hi. Hi. Yay. I'm excited. I'm very excited. Thank you for having me. This is really cool. Yeah. Okay. So what kind of artist are you? Are you a clown, character actor, director, writer, actor, creative director, podcaster? Do all of these apply or do you do more apply? Do some of them not? Yeah, you know, I also, uh, yeah, I also paint and play piano and bass and guitar. I used to be in, uh, it all started because I used to be in punk bands and and play jazz and I was a musician for a very long, uh, there came a time when I was like, I'm going to go to school for film or I'm going to go to school for music. But I, I didn't ever let go of the music thing. I still do it now for fun. But uh, mm. I, I find that like, uh, and it took me a long time to even admit this, but I found that the day I said I'm an artist, I felt very accepting of myself and alive. And I felt like I found my identity. And this was probably age 30, 31. And I also find on a more micro note that if I do not create art or be creative as much as possible, I get very depressed. It's like, you need to work out, you need to eat vegetables. And I also need to create stuff constantly or I, the, 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 the meter drains out. Yeah, I totally get you. If I am not creating stuff, either I'm already depressed or I'm going to be. Yeah, and I, and I wish I wish I could just like, so now I try to go, oh, I'm gonna get right next to me is a little keyboard. Okay, get on that damn piano and play it for half an hour. And then I think about as a kid, I would go in my room for hours or go down in the basement and play drums. And that would, when I was feeling, I didn't know I was feeling depressed. I was just feeling blue or whatever. Play music for a while. Oh, I'm ready to go outside and play again. I'm ready to have fun. Yeah. But it's tough to remember that as a grown up. It's, it's very tough. Yeah. Or even to understand that these are things that we do because we're not feeling so good or these are things that will make us feel better. Like if you don't have the language growing up, then maybe you won't have the language when you're older until you, you are like more aware of it. Yeah. And then you start to go, ah, in the, in the worst parts of the pandemic. And I was pretty, pretty, pretty bummed out. Then I would be like, oh yeah, I love to listen to the to music. And then I'd put on like Mighty Mighty Boston's and I'd be all of a sudden, now I'm dancing around the house. And I had just like laid on the couch for two days. And it's just like this stuff, you'll die without it. You'll die without, uh, to me, especially uh, music seems like the, the, the baseline I got to have going on, you know? Uh, yeah. To keep like, you moving. Yeah. On track. Yeah. It's very important. <laughs> yeah. It's a great fundamental thing to have like music as like your fundamental thing that holds you in place. Yeah. Which is why I, I, I became a fan of you. We were uh, at an outdoor show uh, earlier in last year a variety show called hodgepodge and you and uh, a musical partner i'm not sure who beth. played beth played these incredible songs original totally original stuff i had never heard before and i was like that's good stuff that people need to hear that and i was ah! instantly like i'm a fan yay <laughs> i forgot what i i forgot that i performed that and i just remember that we met at a clown performance uh-huh yeah that was an original song yeah that was awesome that was very Thank cool you. Oh, that's so cool. Cause I always forget that if someone has seen me do that, that they already know I'm a musician. So we already have things in common. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yay. Cause I also, when I went to college, I was like, okay, I'm either going to do music or film just like what you yeah. said. And I got a degree in cinema, but I was part of all the music ensembles in college. Oh, nice. You know, a big part of the community. That's fun yeah that's good it's so fun and i realized like i was a bit jaded after high school from music at -hmm. least music ensembles and like band leaders who are toxic and so like my first year in college i didn't do any of the ensembles or music programs and i was just like in my bedroom alone all the time just playing my guitar and it was I probably could have met so many more people the first year if I did that. 
If I for me, I, yeah, yeah. And, and I went to high school, public high school, and we were very fortunate that there was 84 minute classes. So you had only four classes a day. And every day for all four years of high school, I had 84 minutes of band. On, oh, and, and it alternated from, from concert band to jazz band every other day. And I was in both and I was playing bass. And then I would play drums in uh, parades. And so for all four years of high school, I got that, you know, for at least an hour a day, I was playing music. And then I was also in bands and then rehearsing and practicing at night. So like I, by senior year, I, I wouldn't have gone to school if it wasn't for band, especially once I turned 18. I was like, what the Seriously? hell, what am I doing here? I want to drink, I want to drink Mike's Hard Lemonades in my basement and play with fireworks. I don't want to go to school. <laughs> I get it. I was like absent <laughs> from senior year like 30 days because we, <laughs> we got the block periods yeah. my senior year and I only had classes before lunch so I could just leave at by lunchtime That's amazing but I would sleep in until school it. was over <laughs> and I'd be like fuck I yeah. missed school it's just over now yeah it's interesting like I almost think like maybe age 18 you just you shouldn't have to do any sort of school yeah. because you, you should have to go like pick up trash or like clean the oceans or do something, do something like civic because like in school, it, your brain's just not right. Something's going on. You're all, everyone's brain is too screwy. Like nothing like who, Yeah. Senior year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why crazy. there's senioritis. senioritis. Yeah. yeah. Senioritis. Jinx by me and RC Cola. Dang. <laughs> Deal. Let's write that down. RC Cola. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, I usually ask people how we met, but you already brought it up. Yes. Yeah, and you did a caveman routine mm. skit. Have you ever done that before? I had done it. I've done this caveman character in front of a crowd three times. And all, all at this variety show, this outdoor variety show called HodgePodge in, um, in Echo, uh, Griffith Park that Taylor Mendoza and Marilyn Mineo put on. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, I think you saw me do it the third time. And by that time, not only had I had performed it on stage, but Taylor and I were, we worked together out in a park once a week. Um, wow. Fitness. And um, with anyone watching or you just like just workshop just me, it outside? Just me, me performing and him directing and workshopping. And, you know, we, we work, we used to work three hours every week. Right now it's, I'm a little busier. So it's like two, you know, um, sometimes it's every other week, but wow. um, we came up, we, we ended up coming up, you know, I had this, the point is I want to do this character that is pure emotion. He's me at three years old, four years old, five years old. So what, and he's nonverbal, but if he mm. sees, if a dog's there, I'm scared of the dog. If there's beer, I want to chug, chug 20. It gives me this chance to be this guy that isn't, is totally unreserved, but in a very endearing way, because he, he cares about everything and he sees everything and hears everything. So to me, it was like an acting exercise. It's like, what's the purest unadulterated form of me? Yeah. Um, and I have this friend, I won't say his name, but like if he had back in like college, if he had too many beers, he would, we would call him Rambo and he would become this pure id, like uh, just unadulterated. He, if there was a chocolate cake, he's going to eat it. If there was a person, he's going to dance with him. If there's a, a bottle of vodka, he's drinking it. And I was like, that's an amazing character so so wow. the ed, ed the caveman comic and then there's this backstory that you know scientists were in a cave in the azor islands in portugal and they found this they found this uh caveman and they brought him to la and ever since he's been training at flappers comedy and uh living in the hollywood hills in a cave and i love doing ed the caveman i'm glad you i'm glad you brought it up uh hopefully i'll do him again soon yeah it was quite entertaining <laughs> everyone loved like interacting with the caveman oh yeah and he's very interactive and like yeah um you know yeah i love i love him instantly that guy came out of me uh which was really really cool wow yeah can you hear the helicopter on up near my at my house but maybe like one percent yeah yeah i hear it. it's but yeah. it's not bad okay cool yeah they don't usually happen too much unless we have fires because i'm in the yeah. hills I'm in the hills now too. And that changed the helicopter. Now we don't have any, but I lived in Hollywood until just a few months ago. And it was, <sighs> I was like, this is, 
this is like torture. You guys are terrorizing us. These these things are wasting our money yeah. on fuel. You're wasting taxpayers' money. It's loud all the time. It, it, what if one of them fell out of the sky? God forbid. Yeah. It, it, they got to stop this shit. It's, yeah. it's the worst way to police the city. And weren't they doing a lot of like noise pollution during the riots to make people crazy? Oh, man. It was nuts. Like living in Hollywood... The first week of the riots, I don't want to call them riots because they weren't, there was, there was peaceful protests. Right. And then there was police attacking people. And then there was a fair amount of like criminal elements robbing stuff. But I lived right in Hollywood. And uh, that week I had this, I thought I had COVID, but I didn't, I had a fever about one one and I was really sore and I was stuck in bed. And like, I was just hearing like gunshots, fireworks, you know, helicopters, fight, scream, all. It was like a fever dream I was listening to, but it was all really happening. Mm. That phrase fever dream reminds me of the fever stream that um, Taylor Mendoza. Are you paused? No, I'm just listening. You're you like we're barely even moving. Uh, I was like, wow, what's a fever stream? Yeah, D- uh, Taylor Mendoza, he would host the fever stream live on Instagram. And a bunch of clowns would perform oh, on cool. live stream. That's awesome. Yeah, it was like yeah. with Rev de Fieve, Fever something. Nice. Yeah, it's like a clown thing that they were trying, a clown festival that they were trying to have. Oh, like- yeah, I remember, I remember Taylor telling me about that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, that was one of the first places I tried characters. Oh, yeah? Yeah. It wasn't, they weren't really characters. The first few were just me dressed in my farmer's outfit, showing uh-huh. people my plants or like playing a very large accordion That's in awesome. my farmer's outfit. That's really, I love that. I yeah. love it. And I didn't all, know how to I play I love it. all those things. Yeah. yeah. I didn't know how to play it. So I was just pressing beautiful sounding keys and nice. moving it. Do you still have an accordion? Oh yeah. I have a I, lot I of instruments. Play, I want to learn accordion so bad. Yeah. Well, if you want a oversized accordion... <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll have to rent it from you yeah that would work <laughs> <laughs> how many keys funny. is it a lot. You know many? yeah they're crazy uh i wrote a, I, I wrote a song on piano that is perfect for accordion it's like a french waltz and it's like in a minor key but i need the accordion yeah <laughs> yes renting is totally doable nice <laughs> for performances that'd be funny so how did you first become a creative director, writer, uh-huh. person? The industry side, the behind the camera side of it. Yeah. Because yeah. is that well, what you did first? So like growing up, um, I always had, um, when I was five or six, my dad had an RCA camera, a VHS camera. He still, they still have it. I started making stop motions because I watched a lot of Nickelodeon. This was like 91, 92 and I was making stop motions with the clay and with that star, you know, then like Star Wars action figures and stuff and a little later on. And then like, um, it was actually for my dad's Father's Day one year when I was nine, I made a mockumentary about my dad. Like, I don't wow. know what a mock, I just had like, I was like, let's make a document. And, and like, it was cool. Like my grandma was in and my neighbors and like, gosh, I wish that thing, I, ho- I hope it still exists. But if it doesn't, you know, it was a lot of fun. So then we like moved on to like in middle school, making a lot of like short films and sketches. Then um, in high school, in 10th grade, I, uh, I wanted to, I, I was, I was very obsessed with Conan O'Brien, SNL, variety shows, late night, everything. So I started a cable access show in my hometown called Tuesday Night Taped. And it was a half hour show. We would shoot sketches on like a VHS camera or a Hyatt camera. The people at the at the cable access studio would help them help me edit them because I couldn't edit yet. Uh, we didn't have I didn't have like editing computer and it was all tape to tape. So they, they would just do that because they could do tape to tape editing. And from 10th grade to the senior year, me and my high school buddies, we made 20 episodes of this variety show. Wow. And, and it was like I was the host. My best friend was the co-host. Our other group of friends, all of our best friends were were in it. And it was like a, a cold open that was usually live or taped. Uh, opening credits and then like um, a monologue that me my co-host and I would share then we'd have like a lot live to tape a guest or two and sometimes like music like live you know music on the show and like 
but then we would do live sketches. We roll in sketches. So that, so at that point I was like, all right, I'm going to go to Emerson college in Boston to learn. I wanted to be a writer performer. Yeah. Uh, but when I got to school, I auditioned for a, a, a sketch team. I didn't get in. And I was like heartbroken. Yeah. Like that's what I, and so I was in the video uh, visual media arts program and I was like, all right, I'm going to really, that's not at the ad. Maybe I'm not funny. Maybe I'm not good at acting. So I'm going to just study. I'm going to be learn everything I could. And I, I probably worked on 120 either student films or student television shows in four years. It was super active. Um, and I also knew I was just like a kid from Taunton Mass. I was never going to make it in, in the industry. So I had to like, um, I said, I'm going to work as hard as I can. I'm going to work on everybody's movie. I'll, I'll give them my, you know, I'll, I'll drive my car for them. I'll do a million favors. And I just worked really hard, focused on production, creative stuff, writing, directing, producing, editing, and stuff like that. Gave up on the whole performing thing. Totally yeah, gave up. I totally get you. And then like a series of amazing things happened. Like I got to LA and I got, I just worked. I worked on, I just kept working big movies, music videos, every, you know, uh, TV, all this stuff. And then, but the whole time it didn't feel good. It felt great and it was awesome. But I was like, I know what I really want to be doing. And then like a few things happened. One was meeting like an awesome partner, my girlfriend, Sarah, who was like probably the first person who I at least felt really accepted me for, for who I am with warts and all. And that was kind of, and, and then a few other things happened. I went on this massive cross-country road trip alone, all right around the next day after our first date. And then uh, I came back from that and like, was like, oh, and I went for it. And then uh, started small. Anyways, what was the question was about, that's how I got into production was like, yeah. and, I, and, uh, and now I have a, a passion for both. And uh, thank God I, I know how to, to direct and edit because that's how I pay rent and, uh, and stuff. Cause, uh, and I think I, you know, want to get to the point where I'm creating shows that I direct a little bit, but I'm acting in mostly. Yeah. Write your stuff for yeah. you, for you. Yeah. 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 That's I, the I best don't know way. if that made any sense, but. No, it totally did. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way to get stuff made with you as like the main focus is to write your own stuff. Yeah. Yeah. You're set. Yeah. So, so a couple of years ago, that's what I said. I'm like, all right, I'm going to start, uh, if I want to make a sketch, I'm going to be in it, you know, if, or, you know, uh, and that was really, then I said, oh, I need to actually learn how to do this, which is where Groundlings came in and method acting and, and studying clown work. Uh, mm. cause I was like, oh, I've been like practicing to be a filmmaker for a decade and I'm finally getting okay at it. I guess I probably get to really start practicing how to be a performer to get any good at it, you know? I totally get you. I'm right there with you. I always wanted to be a performer as well, but I did also do the writing and production side during college, uh -huh. you know, still trying to become a confident person before uh -huh. I could become a confident actor. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, and you're, you're younger than me by what, about a decade, I think. Probably. What school did you go to? Uh, San Francisco State University. Oh, cool. That's over there in South, South San Francisco. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Very beautiful. Very cool area to be in school. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you leave your apartment. But I was yeah. a bit depressed, so I stayed in my apartment quite often. Oh, man. Yeah. yeah you know, it's awfully rainy up there. You didn't miss out on anything. Yeah. Except the <laughs> botanical gardens and all yeah. that. But I ended up you know, working my way out of my apartment and seeing movies by myself and, you nice. know, the goods. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 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 So how that did seeing, you, what were you saying? I was going to say seeing a movie by yourself is one of the most magical things in the whole world. There's uh, no, no shame there. I just wish that it was socially appropriate to ball, to just like cry in the middle of movie theaters loudly. Uh, you have yeah, to whimper yeah. to yourself. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, I don't like that. I don't like, I, you know, what you're saying is actually very true. Like, um, it, and it was like, I had to, in my 30s, be, I was like, oh, wait, I don't have a, 
I don't have any emotions. Like what are the, these acting coaches are telling me to have emotions. I, I buried them all very deeply. Yes. They're so yeah. deep in there. <laughs> yeah. They're there. You yeah. just, and now, and now like, uh, like I used to cry once a year, literally, right. I would say, I'm going to cry on Christmas Eve from 2am to 3am. That was it. <laughs> like, and I would, I would stay up all night and I would, I would like have a big cry. And, and now of course, I cry every day, you know? Perfect. <laughs> yeah. Way to go. Yeah. Is there some way that you tapped into crying for yourself? Because I'm still working on it personally. Um, yeah, like, I mean, it came through, honestly, like it should be, it should be coming from like, I need to be going to the therapist way more often and practicing good mental health. But, yeah. uh, but it was going to, um, with my acting coach, Barry Bepic, uh, my method acting um uh, which has really made me go oh i got out like because in that type of acting as you build a character you have to go and study a bad time in your life you, you, you know without getting too much into the nuts and bolts of it like you have to learn what makes you well, you have to learn where your pain is where it actually exists where it comes from and you have to confront it and talk to it and, and then and then you know and, and that's good i think it's very healthy Ah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I always say, God damn, I don't want to talk about the, uh, the process though. Uh, but, Man. but, but, but like, it's also really interesting to me. Like when I was a director, I was reading acting books all the time. I just wanted to know how it works, you know? Yeah. So, uh, well, I would give myself suggestions for reading material. I'm all ears. Yes. The best book for aspiring actors, I think. Uh, what I'm into right now is Truth by Susan Batson. Susan Batson studied under uh, Lee Strasberg in New York City with with my coach Barry Bapic, and she's she's like uh, they, a huge coach to all the biggest dramatic stars. Um, Nicole Kidman wrote the foreword to her book, and she has an incredible method. And she's so like if my coach has a like uh, he 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 says in New York she's the best. I think he's the best in L.A. Um, but, but check out the book truth by Susan Batson. And, um, it's kind of a guideline to the process that I was just talking about. I love it. Yeah. I found that it's hard for me to try to tap into crying by trying to connect to feelings that I have suppressed so much, but actually physically just, um, going through the motions of, uh, the, like the things you do when you're crying, like um, I open up my soft palate. It's so technical. I open up my soft palate, like you're singing with an like an O sound, you know, and um, I just go for the physical process yeah. of crying, which leads to the feeling for me. That's okay. Yeah, that yeah. that actually uh, that's a way a lot of actors work like not the only way you know there's a million ways to get to any feeling you need to portray honestly right and, and some people work from the outside in some people literally start by like a physical feeling like that you know sometimes it's just i'm gonna breathe a certain way or hold yes. your body a certain way. and like the cool thing is like there's so many great places to learn how to do all that stuff like groundings will teach you know and every teacher i've had has had a different way of of getting there um a lot of it a lot of my studies happen to come rooted from the same like Lee Strasberg theories, whatever works, man. Yeah. Also breathing. Breathing is the biggest thing in every type of performance that I've ever done. I needed to breathe more. And for crying, mm -hmm. you got to breathe to cry mm -hmm. and to breathe, to relax your body enough to know that it's okay to, to cry and you're not going to be attacked by a tiger, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. like I've in college I performed uh Afro-Cuban ensemble so I did Latin percussion and I would be at times I'd be stiff and not breathing and it's hard mm -hmm. to really be relaxed enough to to hit hit fast and hard and relaxed mm -hmm. if you're not breathing oh yeah I I know even in just like hanging around I go wait I've been like hold my breath all day yeah <laughs> yeah it's cool that you were in organized music in college. Uh, that would have been fun for me. I was in a band in college and they're still around. They're called the Gobshites. They're an Irish, Irish punk band. 
they've got tra- play traditional Celtic instruments plus wow. punk rock instruments. And what they do is they take punk songs, Black Flag, the Ramones, uh, and they turn those songs into Irish tunes. I only was with them, with them for maybe five, six months mm. uh, playing bass, but it was, it was extremely fun. It was, mm. uh, we were playing all over Boston, New England, New York City, uh, and they're still out there. They've got like five or six albums. I bet you they've been the Gobshites have been around fifteen years. They're from Fox Bar, Massachusetts. If you like, if you like Irish music and punk rock, I Dang. recommend it. That's awesome. If you like Guinness and whiskey, they're also they're also into that too. Oh dang! Yeah. So what was it like to perform in all those different cities or it, bars? Or it was locations? great. It was so cool. Um, I've been I've been in three bands that that stuck it out in my life uh a punk band eighth eighth grade ninth grade tenth grade a punk band called narcotic bob and that was like you know we were just kids but we put we recorded two cds and we played just in southern mass and southern new england um we broke up because we are you know 16 and everybody kind of went a different way uh then in college the gobshites which was like really really cool to be like you know, uh, hopping, you know, just hitting, hitting all these places around New England and uh, fans were showing up, you know, because they had, they had already done their thing for a while. Then I was in LA in this band called Hot Karate for a while. And I started that band with, and uh, I was, you know, with this guy named Rob Krauss, who's an amazing guitar player. And uh, I quit, I quit it. And they went on after me for a few more years. And when I quit it, is when I made a decision like to pursue comedy, like, and I wasn't performing yet. It was like, I'm going to write and direct comedy at least I'm going to give it to my all. And, 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 uh, cause I, because the, the, I read the book, get in the van by Henry Rollins, which I have since read at least three times. And every time I'm feeling lazy or confused or down, I go to Henry Rollins, his, his books, his interviews, his articles, cause his work ethic and his uh, is tremendous. This is very inspiring. But also, when you read the book, Get in the Van, what I learned was that if you're making art, if it's not 150% commitment from you and you don't love it 150%, you have to drop it immediately. It, it, it doesn't matter. It, it's going to kill. It's not good. So, it you know. That was it. That and so that was like the last um, significant run I had, like being a, a straight, you know, an honest musician, not playing comedy songs. Mm. And when was that? Uh, boy, twenty twelve, maybe twenty thirteen. I don't, I don't really recall the early, early of the last decade, really. Wow. But that was fun. We, we played a lot around LA. You know, we played yeah. like warehouse shows and bar shows and like clubs. Played like oh. Whiskey Go Go and played yeah. The and, and that was really cool to be at these places. And, and uh, it, you know, we had a good little following. We had a fun time. Um, so I have no regrets. Uh, it, it was it was like almost like getting to live the punk rock dreams I had as an eight year old, you know, uh, mm. listening to cassette tapes in the basement. But, uh, you know, maybe I'll do it again someday. Yeah, that's awesome. So what creative projects have you been working on during quarantine? You are in a podcast called Ask a Black Person with Kelly Braxton. Is that how you say her name? Yeah, yeah. Their name? Yep. Their name, uh, DJ Breezy Easy. Kelly is Kelly is someone I met in, in uh, Emerson College in Boston. They were a freshman. I was a sophomore. And I directed the short film. And Kelly was either like the second AD or Shadow directed me. And I and she they directed a scene. And... Uh, We've always been friends ever since. And last summer, when everything that was happening in the United States, social justice, injustice, civil rights, I just, I, I, I'm not good at being a, a stand-up comedian and talking about issues. Like George Carlin is my one of my absolute heroes, but I'm not going to be George Carlin, uh, and or, or kind of any of those great people. I'm not going to do like, I can't be Richard Pryor. You know, it's not, I'm not going to be able to talk about issues on stage. I, it's not my thing, but I was like, I have this, these connections and these energy and this talent. I, I like to use art some way to contribute 
to uh to, to raising awareness about civil rights and social justice in America. And I was like, well, who, all right. Well, I also think Kelly is one of the most talented unknown people in the, in the country. I think Kelly is a, a stone cold killer and I want to mainly put Kelly over and help. Hopefully the thing is where I grew up, there's a lot of people who are very conservative, very racist, very insular and haven't tried to move on. And that's tough to take because some of these people I love or grew up loving them. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe just a few people will listen to this and, and start to have an open mind about people who don't look, talk, sound, think like them. So I'm, I'm the second banana on that show. I, I, I'm, the, I'm the sidekick and um, I'm the producer and I'm, and I'm really there to listen and, and let Kelly do their thing because I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. And you guys shoot it live? We do. Every two weeks we do it. It's really wild because our producer, Billy from Loudcat Productions, he's in Columbus, Ohio. And then Kelly is somewhere in LA and I'm in, and I'm in LA. And then our guest will be anywhere in the country. And we, we do it live through it via Zoom. And then uh, that live streams right to Facebook. And then it goes wow. out on all the, you know, the audio places is audio only the next day. We don't edit anything. We just wow. go live. And, uh, you know, I think we've 12 or 13 episodes in and just got to keep doing, you know, we talk about real social issues that are happening right now. We talk about the perspective of a queer black person in America. And we talk about other people's perspectives, you know, and then, and then also what I love about it is we have an act, we end the show always with an action item. So it's not like, we're just not going to hear, we're not here to just like hash this out or complain or, or crack jokes. Cause Kelly, you know, get, we have a fun time on it, but you know, the thing is, it's like civic, you should have some sort of civic goals every day. And we try to say, read this website, donate here, vote, do this, you know, sign up to vote, whatever. So, um, yeah, there's there's this teacher at, at Groundlings. Her name is Phyllis Katz, and she's like an original Groundling, and she's one of the best teachers I've ever had. And she just said a few weeks ago, she's like, with the way the world is now, every day this year, you have to do one more civic thing than you did the day before. Just do one thing. Dang. And I don't, I'm not, I can't do that. I'll try, you know. I at least once a week to yeah, at least get can't. the ball moving and get the habit into your body. Yeah. Just, you know, even if it's pickup litter, even if it, it yeah. you know, it's like, I think, I think about like, you know, I was a nineties kid. I was born in the eighties. We, we all think about this kind of idyllic, um, like summertime swimming in the pool, Nickelodeon's on fake everything's nostalgia. great, fake nostalgia. But the truth is, is like all that literally just led to all the problems we have now, yeah. like the environment our politics our foreign policy and like you no longer can just live like you can no longer just have like a popsicle and like you know and just like watch stick stickly and it's all your head in the in the (laughs) dirt like an ostrich yeah Yeah. it's just not gonna happen we have to work maybe in 50 years it can if we work really hard yeah every day that would be incredible man like hopefully when i'm like 90 i'm like sitting in a lawn chair like with the sprinkler on and i'm like wearing a bikini and i'm just like i'm eating taco bell and like playing on the slipping side but just not there yet yeah i get you it's amazing how eloquent the podcast is in the way that it's being live recorded and kelly braxton is just like killing it with all the the information and like yeah. viewpoint and eloquence. Kelly, Kelly's so talented. Kelly yeah. has a radio background too. Oh, that's perfect. And, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, if I could, I would listen to Kelly's version of the news every day. Yeah. I, they really, I, I, and I don't, I don't feel like she prepares that. I, she, they prepare a lot, but not, not yeah. mem- I, it's just true talent it's yeah. just like really smooth delivery yeah. and, and and uh whatever kelly braxton does they are gonna just excel at it i love that and i see the the radio background now that you mention it because you guys have people call in yeah and give mm-hmm. you questions give you questions of what they've been f- 
feeling or wondering, but haven't had the guts to ask someone who is black or experiencing that. Mm, yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's 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 another great point. Like the show is about it's about a con- it's trying to have a conversation that goes two ways where people are people are heard on both sides. Last week's episode that's out now is with Tim Pelletier, who used to be a, a conservative and now has ch- has gone the opposite side of the political spectrum. So it was really great to hear Tim kind of talking about how how he used to think and kind of saying, you know, this is probably what these people, th- and he, he still listens to like all news, right? So he's yes. listening to Fox News. He's listened to all this stuff. So he was really an expert on that point of view. But what we want, like, I would can't wait. You know, I, I, I want, uh, like... I would love a cop, a cop to come on the show. You know, I would love yeah, like um, perspective. Yeah. You know, and like someone who's still like a hardcore Trumper to come on the show, because mm-hmm. um, if we can't talk about it, we're never yeah. going to get anywhere. And the fact that you're trying to incorporate all the people of the different sides, it won't be an echo chamber of just yeah. the views that we agree with right yeah. away. Yeah. That stuff, uh, that stuff's dangerous. You know, that's how it you is. end up watching CNN all 24 hours a day yeah or on the other end fox news yeah. all day and, and, and you know what? it depresses you both ways it does because it's like a it's like a vampire system yeah and they keep making ad money no matter what so yeah being an extremist in either way is not healthy no no and that's kind of it like i i have a short temper and i'm extremely progressive and i i don't know how to channel it so part of that podcast is me channeling it and mainly listening and trying not to spaz out because I'll just get, I get so upset that it's just no way to, li- it's no way to live literally. Yeah. Yeah. I totally get you. So what else are you working on during quarantine? Um, Anything you're looking yeah. forward to making yeah. once the pandemic's over? Definitely. I just wrote a really cool pilot and uh rewriting it and i'm gonna have a table reach some really good actors soon to Ooh. workshop it and you know i'll show uh hopefully start you know get to get that in a place that i feel comfortable trying to trying to pitch it this year love it and um that's really fun yeah and and then also like i'm just constantly um working a lot on characters you know and i don't necessarily know what i'm going to do with them but they're a lot of fun to me whether i'm working on them on my own or at groundlings or in like the clown community I'm always generating new points of view mm. uh, and uh, with no really end in mind, except that it's just really fun to me. Yeah. Continually working on different sides of a person that you can express. Yeah. 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 And then one other thing that I, I wrote a feature film last year and that one is like uh, very exciting and we're in the beginnings of trying to make it happen. Uh, I won't say trying to make it. We're in the beginnings of making that happen. But uh, that's all I'll really say about that one. But but it's it's very, very fun. Mm. Can you hint at all of the theme of any of, of the pilot or the feature film? Or do you want it to be like a surprise? Yeah. Well, they're both things where I get to be. Um, I'm the lead, hopefully, if somebody will let me. And both the characters are completely different. Mm. Um is it a comedy? Like, both comedies. Com- yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. My favorite stuff in the world, like, well, it's not, I, I love all sorts of stuff, especially like classic movies and great TV dramas. We're watching X-Files right now and having, <laughs> there's so many things I, I, and, I'll, and I'll, I don't need to go on and on about what I'm a fan of, but like what, what got, what, what gets me excited, like what's why I started making comedies as a kid was Mike Myers movies. John Candy, um, Harold Ramis, Bill Murray, um, and SCTV, SNL, Catherine O'Hara. Um, so that's the kind of world that I like to, to write stuff in, is mm. uh, the, a certain energy that nothing matters, and it's okay. Awesome. A lot of love, I, and I like to work, and there, it's kind of a new thing, but I also like to work clean, as clean as I can. How would you define clean? Like, um, like I'm writing, I'm helping, I'm writing and directing this, this talk show right now. It's the web series 
that will be out in the summer with some other, some, you know, I, I was brought, I'm a hired gun. I, I didn't create it, but like, I don't like to tell if I can avoid a genital joke, if I can avoid, um, and I think there's, I don't, I don't think there's, I think sexuality is very funny, but I don't think explicit swearing, like sexual stuff, um, raunchiness like for no reason. Family but, friendly. Yeah, I like to be family friendly, but I also want to be family friendly in a way that um, is extremely emotional. And uh, it doesn't mean I don't like, like I, one of my favorite sketches I ever directed with King Batch has a little boy's hands getting chopped off. Like I find there's a line for me that like um, is always moving, but I also think like, if you can't do it without a swear, if you can't do the joke, like, you know, it's just like gratuitous. I just don't need gratuitous filth. Maybe you know? it's not that funny if you can't do it without the swearing. and the drink. Yeah, maybe. But I also think there are people that are tremendous at that. And I don't have a problem with it. I guess there, you'd have to say, we'd have to be writing something together. And I would say, mm, it doesn't need to be a BJ joke. You know, why don't we do, why don't we do something about how this character thinks rather than just like yeah. a non sequitur about, uh, you know, whatever. I like it. Yeah. So how did you get into your art from the beginning? Yeah. Would you say it was with the um, RC recorders? Is that how you got into it or maybe earlier than mm -hmm. that? I think I'll give you like two, a couple of cool examples. Cause I've been thinking about this stuff a lot lately. Um, my grandma had a piano, a Milana Grand stand up, like 70 key piano. And she passed away in 2009, uh, I inherited it. It's in my parents' house in Massachusetts. Wow. Um, but when I was like two, as soon as I could walk, I was going up to it and hitting it. And I, I would call it the dinging piano. And when I was four, my, my parents put me in piano lessons. I did piano lessons once a week from age four to 14. Wow. So, so that piano was a big deal. Like having that around was tremendous. And then um talking about crying earlier it practically makes me cry thinking about it uh thinking about my grandma and, and that piano in that old house and then another cool thing that happened was my other grandma who is still alive and um she's in the mid 80s now but when i was six first grade wayne's world was like swept the nation and I was already watching the SNL specials when I could. I couldn't stay up late to watch the live show, but like if it was on at 8 p.m., my parents would show me. Or I would watch it on cable during the day and stuff. So my grandma, Mor my grandma Morrison gave me Wayne's World on VHS when I was six. And it, I, it, it was incredible. It was like the coolest thing I ever got. And that that was like that um i don't even, i couldn't define it when i was that age but it was just amazing i glued onto it as much as i glued onto the ninja turtles you know it was like and that was kind of why i was like oh w wayne campbell had a cable access show like i'll have a cable access show mm -hmm. and that was kind of a, a big part of it but also like just having a creative family and uh both my parents are artists my dad does stained glass and he used to do clay and he's a woodworker and my mother um, is, a, is a crafter and a painter. Um, and that's like, there's always something going on being made. You know, she has a craft room. My dad has his, um, his garage where he does his glass work. So um, yeah, and, and you know, my brothers being musicians as well. There was never, it, it just kind of happened instantly. You know, I, I don't remember a time when it um, wasn't going on, you know. Wow, and I if love it was, that. Uh, you know, my parents also, the kind of the family joke, but it's true and it's still true is that I, uh, I'm i so hyper. I have so much mania, manic energy that if I didn't have a schedule with activities, trouble was going to happen. Like the shit, the, the wheels are going to fall off. So it was like, how many, you know, karate class, piano, gymnastics karate how do all we this keep stuff. dewey busy exactly that was the question how do we keep dewey busy <laughs> and uh which was cool because it fostered all these things that i still love to do wow would you say you're a re-watcher were you able to re-watch the wayne's world uh tapes mm -hmm. certainly 
there are some things I found out someone I really care about last week had COVID. They're okay now, but I was distraught and I, I couldn't do anything. And I had a lot of work to do. So I put on Uncle Buck starring John Candy. I watched it, cheered up, and I got back to it. There, there are a couple things a year that are like staples that I will go back to. Um, like I'll watch Caddyshack once a year. I'll watch uh, Wayne's World, Tommy Boy, um, and probably other stuff. That, but, you know, top of my mind, those are things that I, that I revisit because uh, they kind of remind me what I, what I'm all, what I, what I like, you know, mm. and there's, it doesn't mean like, um, I also think that like, there's so many great movies and TV series. Like I try to watch new stuff all the time. Yeah. Um, but there's a big value to like, like art has like such tremendous meaning that like rewatching it is like the same as like cuddling with the blanket or like uh, making like making a special soup you like you know it's like it's, it's wonderful it's homey yeah <laughs> i'm a real rewatcher of things yes like what there's this netflix film that's called the guernsey literary and potato peel pie society mm-hmm. and it's very cozy it, it's about a writer and it's set in the 1930s and it's it has romance in it and i just love to re wow rewatch it because it inspires me to write more and more often nice. and it just makes me happy <laughs> that's fantastic yeah it's a series or a show or a movie it's a movie, a movie. but i watch it watch as it. if it's a series wow that's I great put it on. nice good yeah. yeah there's there's music i listen to a lot too that i listen to um headhunters by herbie hancock constantly I listen to uh, certain um, like Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Springsteen and Beastie Boys constantly. And so much to the, I'm, I'm working on this show that's a music related show and, the, and they're, they're music producers and like how you don't know this artist, you don't know that artist. I'm like, yeah, I kind of like, kind of like am a few decades behind, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I listen to like certain punk rock and grunge often. Um, and there are there are days when I'll I'll just play like a lit, you know new stuff, but every now and then I'm like I'm losing my mind. It's time for Herbie Hancock, and then I'll do that for you know I'll listen yeah. to the album. And it's a good reset. Yes, exactly. Because sometimes you just need to be able to watch something or listen to something and really let your mind explore and like yeah. absorb and really be present. Totally. That's why jazz, specifically like jazz fusion and Herbie Hancock, that's exactly what it does for me because it's so layered and and then then things loop and come back. So it's like my brain's like hearing all these like, you know, layers of jazz going on and it like distracts me in just the right way. Mm. So growing up, did you have any bullies or mentors that really influenced your life? Um, Artists really have bullies. (laughs) yeah so I've found yeah definitely there was a there was like enemies that were like we were mortal enemies you know mm. and to this day we don't talk and that was mainly mainly middle school and high school but mm. but you know there was a big a big risk in high school doing a cable access show and being in a punk band and I did get picked on a lot for that by just a few people um and people that maybe they used to be my friends, but when I started doing that, they really, they really got into it. And um, it, yeah, that, that luckily I didn't back down because for, for whatever reason I had, I didn't stop doing this stuff. And I know there's a lot of kids who they do this in a certain type of art and they're going to get made fun of and they're going to be scared to do it again. Yeah. And I don't know why I got why I got lucky. I think it's just because I'm such a maniac and I have such um, tunnel vision that I was like, I don't care. I'm doing this thing. I don't care what anybody thinks about it. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I grew up in a place where um, I think it could be a really tough environment. And there, I have, I wasn't a lot of fist fights growing up, like from elementary school on to like probably about 10th grade. And then I really tried my best to avoid them. Um, a lot sometimes it was me defending kids who were getting bullied and sometimes it was just um like a straight up 
you know, a street fight that you couldn't really avoid. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, there were, they're actually like, were I actually got bullied the most in my life. I think last year, what year during June and July, because I'm an outspoken progressive, I was having a lot of people that I knew, um, come after me, but whether it be a text or DM, cause I'm not in, then they're, they're in, you know, back in Massachusetts, uh, or putting stuff on my Facebook wall. And I finally just said, I'm blocking these people. And like, they were people that I used to be really close with or family members of people I really close with. And they wanted to take out their anger about, about whatever they're mad about, about, you know, America. And they said, I'm going to target it at Dewey. Uh, cause I know he doesn't agree with me. Wow. And it was really heartbreaking. And, um, it could, it could, it, it, it definitely put a damper, it slowed me down for a good month, but I had a lot of great friends and not only in a, in a great girlfriend and great family, but one of the coolest things that happened was at the same time that these people from my past were giving me a lot of shit, I was reconnecting with people from my past who were like me. And I've made new friends that I hadn't talked to for 20 years, 15 mm-hmm. years. So uh, I look, I, I'm, I'm looking at the, the positives there and, and thinking of, oh, I can't wait to go hang out with so-and-so after this uh, pandemic's mm-hmm. over or uh, go to this city because I know they live there and that will be really fun. Wow. Dang. A silver lining to the bullying. Yeah. But in the, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 the problem is, is I really care about shit, you know? Yeah. So that's why if, you get if targeted. I was, if I was jaded or indifferent, uh, it probably wouldn't have happened. So, yeah. um, yes, yeah, there's ups and downs. That's an yeah. interesting question. I, I, I want to listen to more episodes to hear what people say. Yeah. Because I've experienced a lot of bullying in my life and like severe bullying in high school. Uh So I feel like it would have been helpful if I had heard about adults being bullied and other people. I wouldn't have felt so alone back when I was in high school. That's great. Well, I'm glad we're talking about it then. Hopefully high school can hear now. Yeah. So kids these days could be like, wow, I'm not the only person who gets cyber bullied. Yeah. I'm not the only person who gets ganged up on by a teacher yeah. and by their students. Yeah. You know, man, that's tough. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and if your school, yeah, it's really sad. And, and I can't imagine what it's like to get cyber bullied. I was, when I was a kid, we had AOL instant messenger and stuff mm-hmm. like in middle school, but, and I know it was happening, but it wasn't like the ep, it's like an epidemic of it now. And it wasn't yeah. quite, it wasn't really there yet. It was going to happen face to face. Yeah. It was uh, pretty new when I was in high school. Yeah. So the high school had never de- dealt with it before yeah. and I didn't bring it up. So my parents brought it up to the school because they were like, these were people I knew attacking a music video I made with a like filmmaker friend and mm-hmm. I was the musician Yeah. and they were saying a lot of like terrible things about, about my physical like appearance Uh and back then i had very large boobs Uh and the the like um the film ratio kind of made me look even wider than i am as a person and so like being called a whale and that i should kill myself was like pretty terrible because it was the first like audio music thing i ever made and then we made Mm. it into a music video it's like this was exciting and then they ruined it Damn, I'm you know? sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah, that will. I'm glad you haven't stopped because, yeah, that could derail somebody. Well, uh, I did stop for a long time. I yeah. waited until after college to really start performing. Yeah, you know, that's that's just it's, it's just a damn tragedy, and you got to wonder like where, who isn't teaching these kids lessons? Yeah, <laughs> you know, where's their where are their parents? Like, how do you learn to be that mean? yeah it's kids are mean and they always have and they always will be but that's just like it gets too extreme it's actually i um 
for sometimes like literally high school kids will attack my comedy as a grown man and uh or like especially when i make if i do anything political mm-hmm. and i'm like i just fucking don't get it it's like i never had that tendency to like to be vicious to, to break down yeah to to kill not saying i was an angel but i also everybody when you grew up around punk rock everybody really looked out for each other i think yeah like you know it's funny probably my biggest bully now is a cop <laughs> oh <laughs> I'm sure that's true for many a person. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what kind of media do you want to see more of? I have an answer for that. <laughs> I tru- truly like hate social media, although I work for a social media company mm-hmm. and I often make, you know, like create ads for a living and commercials and stuff that are social media. And I make stuff myself, you know, but what I miss is like mm, mixtapes and passing around actual media, cassettes, mm. records, CDs that you burnt, um, thumb drives, even I don't care, VHS tapes. Like I actually want to like I want to make a uh, like a I don't know a mixtape, a pilot, a, something like a twenty minute show. I want to shoot it on VHS, print it on VHS. And that's the only way you can get it. And if it doesn't, if, if all I do is lose a couple hundred bucks, then like, I don't know, like, that's very interesting to me. Like, I think, like, um, I think like some things just shouldn't be mass produced or like consumed. When South Park, the guys who made South Park got famous, you know, they made this um, VHS tape, like a five minute tape. And it got bootlegged so many times that it made their career. It was a big break. And they had made it like a five minute Christmas card for a Fox executive. And that tape got copied and copied, copied and handed around Los Angeles and even around the country, just to people who thought it was funny that they got to make South Park. And like, so it went viral before viral was a thing. But I just like the idea of like, I could make you like, I'm going to like, maybe it has to be thumb drives today. Maybe it has to be like a Google drive document because nobody has a D mm. people don't even have DVD players, but I think yeah. it would be really cool if it was like, Hey, I made you this song M and it's on this uh, tape and it's the only one. Enjoy. Wow. It. Yeah. Dang. It's kind of like Patreon where people are like, this is a members only type of thing that only you get mm. if you pay for this or, exactly. or fans only. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, this is yeah, just yeah. for you if you subscribe. <laughs> yeah, and and like I also <laughs> that I think those are like very cool things for artists. Like I love the Grateful Dead, and like the Grateful Dead, people came to the you know I never got to go to a Dead show, but you know people came with like amazing sound recording and bootlegged every show, and they Damn. got passed around. And there's like hundreds of you know thousands and thousands of like Grateful Dead bootlegs of shows that only would ever play once. And yeah. that was what that was all, that's what that scene was all about, you know, experiencing things. And I think we all miss experiencing, experiencing things. I can't wait. Yeah. I think I'm gonna play a live outdoor comedy show in two weeks and hodgepodge again. That's exciting. I'm nervous, I'm nervous to be around people and like, yeah. you know, uh, but it's the greatest thrill in the world. Yeah. And you'll I'll still, I'll stay 10 feet away, it will be safe. Yeah. Awesome. So last question. You ready? Ready. What is your favorite dessert? <laughs> wow. My favorite dessert mm. is a t- it could either be apple crisp or it could be pumpkin pie. Mm. Both really fun, both New England style uh, desserts. And also, um, cannolis from Termini Brothers in Philadelphia. Best, best cannolis I've ever had in the whole country. Oh my God. I think what I'm makes actually, them so good? They've been using the same equipment filling? for a hundred years. The filling is always fresh. Like we have them, we've been lucky. Our family shipped them from Philly to LA for us. And they, oh. and they come in the mail and the shells don't crack in the mail and they give you, and you fill them like they give you the tube. So basically like you can order a kit, you could ship it to LA. Oh Termini my God, Brothers. I need that. And, I, and when you, when I go to Philly, you go in the bakery and it's the same 
equipment they've used for a hundred years. And there's something about the city of Philadelphia, but they really, really care about quality more than any place I've ever been. Mm. Uh, I, I feel like there's a pride. It's like, we're Philadelphia. We're not going to get this wrong. So, so I think all those things come together. And when you get a, a cannoli from Termini brothers in South Philly, it's, it's, it's uncomparable. I need the link to that. I'm definitely going to order some cannolis from there. And you're Italian. So that's a bonus. What's your favorite dessert? Oh my gosh. Cannolis are definitely on the list. Tiramisu from Uh the Italian deli in the other Valley. Donuts. I have a donut right here. (laughs) Nice. Nice. So tonight it's donuts. That's awesome. Yeah. So Uh, thank you for being on my podcast. You're welcome.